What a year has been. The cost of fuel has rocketed up from this time last year. We have also seen British gas putting prepayment meters into many people's homes without the consent of vulnerable consumers, and the courts allowed many of these fuel suppliers to get away with putting the meters without considering duty of care. It resulted in Ofgem investigating the energy industry, which then led to a tightening of prepayment meter guidelines. From 8th of November, energy suppliers must follow stricter rules before putting a prepayment meter in many households. We now head towards another winter and the cost is still relatively high compared to pre-pandemic. Welcome to Debt Talk Podcast with me, your host, Ripon Ray. You may have guessed it, but this time I'm going to speak about the cost of fuel during the cost of living crisis. To navigate such an important topic, I have panelists from the local community activism and fuel campaign sector. The panelists are also to provide my listeners with top tips to those who are trying to address some of the challenges faced as we face another winter. For those who are listening to Debt Talk or want to share your experience or want to listen to a subject of your choice, you can send me an email, ripon.ray at yourdoctordebt.com or on Twitter, yourdoctordebt. To assist me in this month's topic, I have Barry Duggett, a community campaigner and a pensioner who personally struggled with fuel and has seen and heard about others who have changed their behaviour due to the cost of uh, fuel rising in his community in South London. I also have Chia Harrington, a community organiser from Fuel Poverty Action. She's going to explore the current fuel landscape from the point of view of vulnerable consumers and also the current changes in often policies with prepayment meters. So let me start with Barry, a pensioner, a community activist from London. Barry, we speak about the cost of living crisis, but what does that mean for you as a pensioner? Well, basically, what it means is that every time you go out, you have to be very careful because don't forget you're getting a very meagre pension off this government. And in every shop you go in, especially the big shops, everything seems to have gone up 20% or more. But the problem is where you haven't got the money to buy it, you're looking for the bargains, you're going around it. But I think sometimes in my own mind and other people that the, the shops are actually getting more money than they should do because, as I've said earlier, you know, what 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 annoys me is that you, you go there and these things are on offer, pound off and things like that. But if it, if they can give you this special discount during their special, you know, offers, why can't they do it all the time? I think some of these shops are really sort of jumping on the bandwagon and raising the prices where they don't need to. But it affects us in such a way that we have to cut back. And it's, it's really bad to see people, you know, cutting back on food because it, it does affect you health-wise as well. I know you are great with budgeting you're good at planning but how do you feel about when you have a sudden unforeseen emergency and you have to fix let's say your fridge how can you cope with that well the the good thing about it is that i know a lot of charities around here and there's a lot of elderly people that we've actually sent over to these charities because if something like that happens you are really in dire straits so what i have to do is refer people over to the charity and then their case is looked at. And if their case is val- valid, a valid case that they need it, then you can get it. But it's not the way to go because, you know, you're worried all the time. I mean, if you do have a, 
a breakdown, especially if you've got a, a, a washing machine or something like that, then you really haven't got the money to pay for it. So you rely on local charities, which is not really nice because a lot of these old people that I meet are proud people and they, they don't want it to go this way, but they have to go that way. And we're lucky that we have charities like around here like that. Last year, we received a top-up or a subsidy from the government. And this year, you won't. And as a result, what changes do you intend to make because of the government's lack of support this winter? Well, this is a really hard one because last year, even though they gave us the top-ups, it wasn't enough really to cover what we needed. I mean, people I talk to, because, you know, I work in the community, people were saying they were going to bed early, they were turning off the lights, they were getting up, and or if they sat up, what's the telly, they had blankets around them. You know, it's just a, it's an affront to, to us, you know, as being elderly, that we have to go to bed early or we have to sit with blankets around us. We're worried about turning lights on, even making dinners and, and cups of tea. You know, we feed people on a regular basis in here because... The, the cost of living with this, it, it, it spirals out because you can imagine being an elderly person, having worked all your life and the pension is not good enough to cover it. And even with the top ups, I mean, if you're living in a place that isn't really, you know, it's too big for you, basically, you know, and you're living in this place. Well, you're, you're left with the either go to bed early, sit there with blankets, and it's not the right thing, but the government don't realise what's going on or they don't want to realise. As a pensioner, what support do you currently receive and is that enough for you? What are you doing to prepare for another cold winter ahead? Well, the pensions, as I've already said, are not really good enough. I mean, we if you compare our pensions to Spain and France and places like that, I do believe we are the lowest that you possibly get. But the problem is that how do you prepare for it? I mean, you're keeping cutting back on everything. You're looking at your electricity bills, your gas bills. You're going around the shops looking to see what you can buy. So as I've said, you know, when I talk to people who come to see me quite a bit, as I said, we, we did have a road show in here last week and 110 people turned up. It was a cost of living road show. And everyone was worried about how they're going to meet their bills, how they're going to get something to eat. And this is the problem. People are relying on food banks. People are relying on handouts. And, you know, when you look at it, it's such a shame. 110 people in six hours. We could have had more, but we had to close the doors because we only had a certain time. And when that amount of people turns up to, to get help, then you know you've got problems. And most of it was the cost of living, the cost of fuel, how they were going to heat their flats. Uh, the you know the legal side of it and it's the worry that you get and getting old like I'm getting old and other people who came I mean not just elderly people young people as well there is an underlying worry around how you're going to survive this winter you talked about keeping your home warm how insulated is your home and do you think this helps you to keep heat indoors well, let's be quite serious about this because I'm going to scrutiny with Suburb Council on Wednesday about major works on this estate. We have damp, we have mould, we've just spent over £6 million and they didn't do anything about the insulation. So our flats are continuously cold and I keep complaining about this, but under the government legislation which is coming in, we will not meet this legislation even though we spent this amount of money. And this is the problem. I mean, living on a council estate, I, I, I get this all the time, the mould and the damp, it's no good for our health. 
but we still have to try and keep warm. So therefore, you know, it's, it's a knock-on effect that nobody really takes notice of what's going on. And if you live in a masonette like I do, you've got upstairs and downstairs. It's like living in two different flats. The, the top area is cold, the bottom half is warm, but you can't turn the eating on because of the cost of eating. What have you heard from others and what their responses have been around the cost of fuel? Well, the problem is with this cost of fuel, it's gone up in the last week around here by 10 pence. And the major problem is that a lot of old people do have a vehicle and they use it to go shopping. So now, I mean, you've got disabled people, you've got people who use their cars just to go and visit relatives. It's been cut back. But also another knock-on effect is that I have friends that work in the the um, the caring um profession and what happens is they pay for their own fuel they don't even get a fuel allowance and so that's a knock-on effect to them because it's a worry to them so it affects us in many ways you know the cost of fuel is is a very very big problem in this area especially with the elderly but when you look at fuel as a whole they're all blaming it on various things but when you look at the profits made by these fuel companies then you think to yourself, well, how can you be making billions and still charging us? I got a bill the other day for an extortionate amount. And when I checked it, what these companies are doing, they're giving you um, a, a guesstimate, shall I say, and sending you a bill through because no one comes to look at your meters. So if you don't read the meters like I read and other people, then you pay this. You know, you certainly got to check what they're trying to charge you. According to Ofgem, the average cost of um, fuel will fall from 1,923 to 2,074. Do you think this slight reduction of gas and electricity from October to December is going to make any difference to you and others like you? Not at all, because don't forget, it's not a reduction as such in our opinion, because we're losing the government. You know, there's subsidy. So what we gain from the government, we're losing. So basically, we'll have nothing. You know, we'll be back to square one. It will cost us more money. What changes do you want to see happen to address I, this crisis? Well, I think the government should reinstate this 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 grant, as I call it. In fact, I should. I think that they should increase the grant rather than take it away. Thank you, Barry. Let me get Chair Harrington from fuel poverty action into the conversation. Um, Chia, where does yeah. Barry's experience fit in with wider fuel poverty as we head towards another winter? It's great to be here. And yeah, um, what Barry has been saying is like similar to what people are experiencing across the UK, um, especially like um, when he was talking about struggling um choosing between heating and eating this is something i definitely saw when i was working as um in community pantries and just seeing how many people um in often in work poverty um have to make that choice every day uh, and especially the elderly and a lot of the elderly are scared um especially when a lot of you know elderly people have um disabilities and more um which require more sometimes more energy for certain devices um to keep themselves healthy and uh, yeah a lot, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and uh, a lot of people choosing between heating and eating. We've seen that there is a slight decline in the cost of gas and electricity, as stated by Ofgem. Uh, does that mean we're celebrating all the country? 
No, it's not a reason to celebrate uh, because energy bills are now double what they were two years ago, um, which is a key reason why people have fallen into fuel debt and nearly 10 million people in the UK are now over-indebted. The energy crisis has definitely rolled into a personal debt crisis in the UK, which lingers in the background as something unseen and unheard as so many people are ashamed of debts, which aren't even their fault. Like... um, like it's the fault of the fossil fuel companies exploiting their customers for profit, basically. And any so-called support or price reduction, um, you know, as Barry was saying, uh, it is just a sticky plaster over a massive issue they've created. Like to quote a member I was speaking to the other day um, in Fuel Poverty Action, they raised our bills up in hundreds and they're giving like a pittance back. So how does the fuel industry work and why is there a fluctuation in cost? So that's a big question, uh, but basically um, most households use gas and electricity. Uh, Gas producers and traders uh, took advantage of the Ukraine war to massively hike up wholesale prices. Um, This increased electricity prices because they're tied to uh, the price of of gas, which is something in fuel poverty action uh, we want to change. Um, This generated hundreds of billions in profit for companies like Shell, BP and Centrica, which owns British Gas. Uh, But as wholesale prices fall, the prices we pay have fallen less. So the high profits continue uh, and both the government and Ofgem, the regulator, have failed to stop this profiteering and we urgently need a fairer energy system. Speaking of a fairer energy system, what does uh, the energy price cap and energy price guarantee mean and when should we be using those terminologies? Okay, so the energy price cap is the maximum amount of energy suppliers can charge you for each unit of energy if you're on a standard variable tariff. Uh, The EPC is supposed to protect households from excessive prices, uh, but it's failing to because Ofgem just increases it to match the inflated prices and profits of the energy giants. Uh, This failure led to the government bringing in the energy price guarantee, Um, The energy price guarantee was designed to keep typical bills for someone paying direct debit to about 2,500 a year until the 30th of June 2023. Uh, The threshold increased to 3,000 from the 1st of July uh, and this scheme will continue until March 24. But this just meant that huge amounts of public money went to energy firms and the windfall taxes brought in to recover this money had lots of loopholes. So we all lost out whilst high profits continued. In terms of Ofgem's guidance on banning prepayment and developing stronger quality assurance framework uh, within the context of fuel suppliers process, in what way would that behaviour change from the perspective of fuel suppliers and eradication of poverty? Uh, so unfortunately, Ofgem is banning forced uh, PPMs for a small percentage of people. So like those over 75, in most cases, they will be allowed to judge uh, which cases it's safe to force a PPM, uh, which is scary given the behaviour we've seen before. Uh, we fear this winter many people will uh, suffer from this. So we're campaigning for a total ban on prepayment meters. So then where does social tariff fit into the narrative to address fuel poverty? Social tariffs are discounted packages available to low-income households. Um, Anything to bring prices down is good, but the social tariff is problematic. It means that some people get lower price, uh, but everyone else faces even higher prices. Uh, Many people not on benefits are also in fuel poverty, so their situation will get worse. 
Uh, we actually need a system that protects everyone. Uh, this is why Fuel Poverty Action pushes for energy for all, um, as we believe people should be able to access energy to meet their needs and energy shouldn't be means tested. Speaking of uh, paying for fuel um, and recovery of fuel debt, how can they recover and do you know any support schemes that are available? So the awful fact that Ofgem is letting forced prepayment meters start again this winter means that energy debt is an even bigger risk to people's lives. Uh, there are various ways to recover from debt, but it really depends on your individual situation and sometimes also depends on what support is available in your area. Um, by law, your energy firm must attempt to come up with an affordable uh, repayment plan. Uh, so best to all, um, offer a small affordable amount. Um, Step change and citizens advice can help calculate the amount and uh, liaise with energy firms if they refuse your offer. Um, but there's also services like the National Debt Helpline, which can help um, support you if you need to deal with debts yourself. Um, another potential route for people seeking help with debt is um, an, an insolvency plan. Uh, the three types of insolvency plans include bankruptcy, individual voluntary arrangements and debt relief orders. Uh, this can mean that some debts are written off, but the system is in urgent need of reform. Uh, there are significant barriers to accessing uh, insolvency solutions, meaning that only around 100,000 people access one each year. If the debt sector is saying that debtors don't have sufficient funds or income to pay for basic essentials, how can we resolve such an issue to address fuel poverty? So at Fuel Poverty Action, uh, we are pushing energy for all uh, as one solution. This is where each household will receive free energy to cover people's um, essential needs. This means people's incomes wouldn't be uh, become as drained by their energy bills. Um, but there's other ways to address the unjust debt that people have fallen into due to um, energy bills being too expensive. And one of them is um, debt write-offs. Uh, and there's different ways to do that. Um, but um, one of the ways that I think, you know, we could work towards collectively is collective action against debt. Like um, last year when I worked for Debt Justice UK, um, I led a campaign to organise people in debt to write off school meal debts in Glasgow. And together we cancelled £300,000 of debt um, helping families experiencing fuel poverty. However, this is a constant struggle against debt, um, as we recently found out that Renfrewshire Council just sent debt collectors to families who haven't paid for their school meal debt. So it's it's a constant battle, often a silent battle. And um, this is why I urge any campaign group uh, to act on um, energy debt. Deductions to universal credit loans cause destitution as families struggle to keep up with fuel payments. Should there not be a pause on that during the cost of living crisis? Yes, and deductions to universal credit loans shouldn't exist. It's a punitive measure which basically just ends up in people being debt to the DWP. Uh, often people end up in situations of debt like this simply because uh, of the waiting times it takes to get onto universal credit and it prolongs periods of poverty and dependence on the DWP also. It's a total debt trap. Uh, just to quote um, Astara Taylor from the US Debtors Union, uh, most people are not in debt because they live beyond their means, but they're in debt because they have been denied um, the means to live. Is there any benefit assistance available for communities in financial poverty from the perspective of grants and support during winter? Uh, there have been. Um, in some communities, we have seen vouchers being given up 
given out to community debt support services. Uh, but often these programmes only last for a short period of time due to the fact they come from pots of funding that don't last forever. And many people do not know these services like exist and there's not enough support for everyone who needs it. Um, this kind of support does help people briefly for short periods of time, um, but really we need systematic change. When things are so bad, what is the last resort for fuel suppliers? Well, in many cases, forcing people onto prepayment meters, uh, which risks people being cut off from their energy completely. Um, and at Fuel Poverty Action, we believe this is totally wrong, which is why we are campaigning for them to be banned. For those who are listening to Debt Talk and want to share your experience or want to hear a subject of your choice, you can get in touch with me, ripon.ray at yourdoctordebt.com or Twitter, yourdoctordebt. Now, um, we have approached fuel suppliers such as EDF and British Gas to take part on Debt Talk, but they did not respond. We also uh, approached uh, Minister of Energy to respond to some of the questions on behalf of Debt Talk, but they didn't respond either. So let me go back to my panellists who are coming from a diverse background to provide Debt Talk listeners with top tips to those who are trying to address the cost of living uh, crisis as we head towards winter. Let me start with Barry Duggett. Well, basically, you have to shop around. That's what we have to do now. You know, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but the annoying thing, as I've already said, is these shops are capitalising on this on this crisis. And this is what annoys everybody very much because have a look at the profits that these companies make, especially the big ones such as Tesco's and that. You know, if they can drop the, the prices for a week or two, well, they can keep the prices as they were. But you know as well as I do, they will never return to the original prices we see a year ago. But what we normally say is make sure that when you go from one room to the other, you switch your lights off, only use as much electricity as you need, and make sure that you check up on the bills that you get. As I've already said, make sure that you look at the meter readings they send you, and if they're wrong, make sure you send them back to them, because otherwise you'll be chased. And what we don't want, the fear is that you may get the bailiffs around the door. And that is a big problem because these big companies do not show any form of, of you know, of, of, of being on your side. All they want is the money. And that's where we have to be careful. But as I've said, I'm very worried this year about what's going to happen to the people I look after and work with. Thank you, Barry. And finally, Chair Harrington from Fuel Poverty Action. Um, I just urge people to know their rights. Um, by law, um, your energy firm must attempt to come up with an affordable repayment plan. Um, and beyond that, please reach out to um, the debt services I mentioned before. And then if you want to join collective action against energy injustice, uh, please get in contact with Fuel Poverty Action where we can show you different ways of taking action together. I would like to thank my panel members for giving their precious time to speak on today's subject, the cost of fuel during the cost of living crisis. The next topic is going to be on students and debt. For those who are listening to Debt Talk, I want to share your experience or want to listen to this subject, you can send me an email. Thank you for listening to Debt Talk podcast with me as your host, Ripon Ray.